Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like, MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I'm Dr. Law. Got most of a full squad here. We already got Lavender Gooms who unmuted himself. Didn't know he unmuted himself in the middle of the theme song going. So here we are. We got me. Lavender Gooms is here. Aha. That's how much you know. I didn't unknowingly mute myself. I didn't touch anything. Well, you, you, you unmuted yourself right as I hit the theme song. It was great. Uh, Kid Presentable here too. Kid presentable. Not only that, I'm gonna reference the Simpson episode. My nickname comes from when we talk about these fights that happened this past weekend. Hell yes. Um, now uh, we got no DJ Mark taking care of some family family business. Um, very rare to not have DJ Mark. Um, normally requires E3 to be happening. Basically, is the only other time Mark has misses this fucking show. And you guys know if I miss the show because there's just no show. That's that's generally what happens. Um, all right, boys and girls, the UFC closed out the Fox era. Uh, there will be still be some prelims on the pay-per-view uh, in a week and a half. But in terms of a Fox show, we had our final UFC on Fox event headlined by Kevin Lee and Al Iaquinta going five rounds, a rematch of a fight that happened, I want to say, four years ago, maybe. Um, pulled that straight out of my ass. Um, I think you're right. Four years, and I believe it was Kevin Lee's UFC debut, right? Yes, it was. February of 2014 at UFC 169. A card, if I'm not mistaken, that included Uriah Faber and Henan Barrow, too. Oh, snap. I did that without even looking. That was great. I need a life. Um, Guys, Kevin Lee and Al Iquinta, um, I watched this thing. Um, I think I'm probably the biggest Al Iquinta fan on this podcast, and I didn't pick him. I pick him, uh, pick him to win. We all pretty much seemed like had the same conclusion was while they both advanced to being really, really good lightweights, quite frankly. They're both in the top 10. Al was ranked number eight, I believe, and Kevin was ranked number four. Um, it just seemed like Kevin had advanced more, you know, um, in his career and would, you know, had the advantage in this fight. He was a decent favorite, Steph, if I remember correctly, maybe two to one. Um, I'm trying to find the line from last week. They don't still have it up. So. Yeah, I think I think that sounds about right, though. I don't think it was any yeah. worse than that. Um, so my impression of what I saw, I'm gonna go with me first, and then um, I know Lavender Grooms was just watching this thing. So uh, first round goes, and Al is out striking uh Kevin Lee. Just he's a better. I just technically he's a better striker than him, and he was really putting a pace on him. Um, at the end I'll tell you who he really reminded me of. Quite frankly, he was. Putting a good pace. He started cutting off the cage. He was starting to get Kevin's timing. Um, second round wasn't more of Al doing his thing. And then Kevin got a takedown, I believe, Mike, about halfway through the fight around. And then uh, just kind of got a takedown and was on top and didn't do a ton, right? That's correct. Yeah. Third round, more of Al got the advantage on the feet. And then uh, was the third round where he hurt Kevin and then Kevin got a takedown? Or was the second or the third where he actually hurt him? One of those uh, rounds. I believe, I believe that was the second. You I think it was I the second? That, I think that was 
Kevin got the takedown, and then when it got back up to the feet, Al heard him going into the end of that round. Okay. Uh, fourth round, Kevin started. Kevin's uh, Al had pretty much timed Kevin entirely. Started blocking takedowns effectively. Um, Al's no real slouch grappling at all, you know, uh, both in terms of submission and wrestling. Fifth round, he beat the crap out of Kevin Lee. And if there was another minute, he would have put him away, I think. Is that a fair assessment, Mike? Yeah, I, I think it was. Uh, Kevin Kevin looked much better cardio-wise this, uh, this fight. But I only say that to mean that in the fourth and fifth round, when Al really started to pick him up and start hit him, hitting him with some more powerful shots, he wasn't as wobbly as he would be yeah, in he the previous fight. he recovered well. DC commented on that, how it was a good weight cut for him, clearly. Um, so um, Al Iaquinta fought a truly excellent fight in this, uh, really, out there, man. Um, getting taken down by Kevin Lee, I really couldn't blame him for that the few times it happened, but he reminded me mike of kind of how bisping fights in that he just kind of puts a pace on you he has more power than michael bisping he'll put more guys away he actually can knock people out standing um but he really the way he fight uh fought kevin lee was and kevin lee showed up a pretty good damn go goddamn chim quite frankly he put a pace on him mike that was he just kevin was kind of drowning it just seemed like with all the different the shots are coming from everywhere and he could at any time Kevin Lee went backwards, he had no real answer. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty astute on your point on on your part. I think that for most of the part for most of the fight, Al Kinso did a really good job cutting off the ring, as you said before. And I think, as you said, similar to Bisping, and I would also say similar to how the Diaz brothers fights when it comes to their boxing. No one shot that Al that that I couldn't say gave was a hundred percent. It was yeah, it was by design. A multitude of fifty to fifty five percent shots. He didn't all the time. I was honestly, were you worried at all? Because I thought he very clearly won three rounds. Were you worried that like there were a couple moments there where he should have taken more chances to try to put Kevin away when we got to the judges scorecard? Okay. I'm going to say I wasn't, and I remember, I think it was one of the commentators saying that when they thought that Iconsa should have gone for the kill in the fifth round. In my head, it was very clear that Iconsa won the first, fourth, and the fifth round. And even then, I even thought that the second round could have been called the 10-10, even though Lee got the, the takedown in that round. Because in the second round, Lee got the takedown pretty early and didn't do anything with it. And then Iakinsa got it back to the feet with about half of the time left. And I thought did pretty well to end that round. So you could have conceivably either given that round to him or just called that round a 10-10. So, no, Mike, I think he had a good game plan going the into mythic, that fifth round mythical and going for the kill. Round. Yeah, it was uh the uh, the one score. The one judge, Mike, gave the second round to... uh to Al and the other two gave it to Lee. But it was, I mean, first, fourth, and fifth were very clear for Ally Quinta. Um, Steph, turning to you, I know you saw the highlights of this thing. I think um what Al did here, without asking you to talk about the specifics of what happened out there, was Al put himself right in that mess at the top of guys. He ensured his place in there with you know i think we're all sitting here wanting to see tony ferguson versus versus khabib realistically 
But we got Dustin Poirier up there. We got Connor up there. We got Al up there. Kevin Lee probably doesn't drop too far, assuming he can still fight at 55. Al pretty much did a good job of making a mess even messier. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think that's very fair. Kevin Lee, you know, he was right at the top. I, you know, the hyperbole I was throwing at Kevin Lee, you know, before this fight is he's one of the guys who I'm real. I was really interested to see fight Habib. I thought he offered a lot of stylistic matchup issues for Habib, at least just in a way we haven't seen before. Um, and that was a lot, a lot of that had to do with what, you know, my perception was of how Al did against uh, Habib and, you know, giving Al credit that was on short notice. Khabib was not who he was preparing for. And, uh, you know, he's he, he called out Connor. You know, he said Connor got finished. I went the distance. And that's the impressive thing. On a short notice fight, he went the distance. Um, now that he went said, five he went five rounds too. He was preparing for uh, a three round fight. He went five rounds. And that said, I don't think Habib tried to finish him. Habib made it a point to finish Connor. I think Habib could have probably finished Al if he really, really wanted to chase it, but he was happy to kind of you know, he, he said it. He was happy to show his boxing, which is very rudimentary. Um, it's, it's very impressive. I think you you meant throughout the name there. I think he's at that tier of Dustin Poirier. Uh, he doesn't jump over Tony Ferguson in my eyes. Um, just because Tony's kind of been there longer, it's just more injury is what's getting in his well, way. Tony didn't lose to anybody. Yeah, there's no losses. So that's why <laughs> it's hard for him to jump there. But, you know, Dustin's a good... I, I, I can see why Dustin would not want it, but... I kind of like that as a, the real title eliminator right there is Dustin versus Al uh, kind of waiting in the wings, you know, because Khabib, I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. You know, Tony, it's yeah, just, you know. Steph, not to cut you off, but uh, we got ourselves a champion. And Khabib has technically been champion since whenever he fought Al. But let's be honest, he became champion when he beat, when the Connor fight had to happen. Okay, when yeah. he got, okay. He, undisputed, he literally beat the last champion. So anybody's questions to anything, he's the champion. We somehow didn't clear anything up, like with the whole fucking melee. I like the idea personally of Al versus Connor because mm. I think that'd be a fun fight to watch. I'm, I'm sure not saying it's gonna Al happen. Likes that idea. Well, Connor's gonna ask Connor to fight somebody he already beat. That's where we're at now. Yeah, but like it, Mark, Mark, if you were here, he'd say it. Connor doesn't want to do that shit. Connor is not fighting. Al is nothing to Connor. Al brings nothing to the table in Ooh, terms of honestly, size, revenue. So it, Connor is his own microcosm. He exists in his own vacuum, in his own rules. You cannot like that. You cannot think it's fair. But look at this dude. Dana fucking loves him. Connor he, gets what he, Connor he, wants. Him and Ronda are why they sold for $4 billion, to be clear. Yeah, so, That's why it happened. Uh, it's not to say that you're wrong, that, that it wouldn't be a good fight, that it wouldn't be appropriate for the standings. If this sport was a pure sport, it's not. We know it's not. So let's well, here, not here's it. the thing, man. Okay, so Mike, this is why I'm bringing that up. I don't know what we're gonna. Do. Does Connor exist in this world? Because if Connor's gonna live in a world where he's only gonna take these certain fights, he basically is only gonna fight Khabib or Nate Diaz, right? Like he's not gonna fight Dustin again. Why would he? And if he's not gonna fight Al, Al at least is not somebody is somebody he didn't beat already. That's my only logic. And I know he doesn't do anything for him publicity wise, but. Quite frankly, none of these guys do. Maybe Nate. Nate's the only one he can sell shit with, and I guess Khabib. But are we living in a world where it's just going to be Connor versus Nate or Connor versus Khabib? Yeah, you know, I think that one of the things people can get tripped double over is thinking of Connor like a regular fighter. Look, everyone else in the lightweight division, if we're thinking about it in, astro astronomical, in astronomy terms, their planets. 
you know their satellites you know when they're coming every year or every 10 years or or whatever connor's a shooting star who the hell knows when he's coming through again all right but when you do you appreciate it and what that means is that whoever connor fights just appreciate that shit when it happens just know it'll likely do nothing's in regards to the rankings or who he should fight no it's gonna be what's the most attractive fight and i i think it would be great to see alcanza fight connor but that's well, I, not I, gonna be the sexy matchup that is also one where i feel the shit talking will be entertaining for me at least just because al al will just keep talking <laughs> and connor will keep calling him a real estate agent i mean i would just my that favorite my funny. favorite part of the fight was that al kept yelling at kevin lee at the end, especially when he just screamed in his fucking face, where he just kept apparently because Kevin Lee, Kevin Lee's walkout, Kevin Lee came out smiling, laughing. Yeah, he, he was having a good old time, and I'm just sitting there like, if you lose, I, it, I hope it's not in an embarrassing way. You, you know what's the worst part about things like that, Bob? Uh-huh. When you watch a fight and you already know the person lost. When I saw Kevin Lee's walkout and I just saw how giddy and how happy and how cocky he was, I just thought, man, this looks so much worse because I know you're going to Well, I mean, because he kept saying that Al Al hasn't changged. He kept saying, same old Al. So Al Iaquinta was screaming at him, same old Al. That's what was happening, which I, you know what, I like, we always like, I feel like, because Al Iaquinta, our general impression of him as being this douchey bro, which... I mean, the man literally talked about crashing a hotel room. So it's not like, you know, Stefan was sitting here like assholes judging the man. He literally said he did this. I'm at this point in my life. I'm just like, man, maybe I like Quinta grew up. Like he's the one talking about unions and how the UFC needs to try to treat the fighters better. Like even Dana White, when the fight was over, they were interviewing him. Dana White was sitting there like trying to like talk about the concept of like, we might need us like how, how much do we really take out of Al fighting Khabib? Because Dana was trying to hype him up as a title contender, which was hilarious to me. I mean, Mikey, I mean, he's, I mean, Steph, I know, like, yeah, Al seems like a real douche, but in the pantheon of what we got going on in this world, I guess it's not that bad <laughs> compared to the other MMA fighters we have now. I mean, yeah, I, I historically don't like him. You two, you know, in our group chat, you're kind of gushing about how you like him more and more. I still don't like him, you know, like, you don't, I have, to, yeah, what he does. You don't have to dislike him. Fighter, but I don't, I don't, you know, yeah, but like you said, you know, um, before 2018, I think my my tolerance bar for the shit and shenanigans of the world was a bit better than where it is now. Um, you know, uh, yeah, you know, it's our it's our show, as you say, Bobby. Fucking it's a shit show in this America we live in. So a guy kind of breaking some shit. It's not the worst thing in the do you, world. Do you remember? And I hate to bring him up because I'm going to, but fuck it anyway. I, I always say I hate to bring him up, and you guys always say he's my favorite fighter because I bring him up always. Fucking this is Bobby's Col- favorite fighter. Fucking Colby. So Stefan, you said something yep. when this first all started, and it stuck with me. And I hope you remember you said it, where like people are saying like, you know, he's gonna pull the chail stick and he's gonna you know go all maga with it and he's gonna hype fights. And I think you said your statement was basically, you know, we don't have to do this. Like we can all, we can all just kind of ignore this motherfucker. And I had that thought again today when like Ariel was interviewing him and this motherfucker standing there. I saw the image on Twitter of him with a MAGA hat and the fucking signed shit Trump gave him. And honestly, like I was thinking about you, what you said, I'm like, Stefan's right. We could just ignore this guy. No one's going to think he's the best welterweight. Like if the UFC cut him tomorrow, nobody's going to sit here thinking, you know, Covington's really the uncrowned champ. Like nobody cares. It's like, as much as we all like Ben Askren, and this is not the best example, but Ben Askren failed to, like, he just 
took himself out of gameplay for like five years and thought that we were all going to think he's the best. But now like he just kind of lived on an island and none of us gave a shit. Like we could do that to Colby Covington very easily. I mean, yeah. And you know, the funny thing is that like, he's not actually the inspiration for where that line of thought came from. It was, um, and I think it, they equal an interesting side of this because uh, of what's the last year's played out is this whole thought process came from LeVar Ball. Look, you can't say you know it's a shtick and then get mad at the shtick. Like, you can't buy into it and then also say you know what's going on. Look what we did to LeVar Ball. We ignored him. We stopped caring about his sons. He disappeared. Like, Colby hasn't done shit to impress me. But people yeah. are buying into it. And I, I think it's I think that's the MMA fan I'm, base. I'm not it sure how lower, much... It's a lower common denominator. But, yeah, like... Why do I have to care? Why do I have to give a shit about Colby Covington? When people say, oh, Colby Covington is obviously a fight to make with Woodley, not to me. I still don't give a shit about Colby Covington. Yeah, I mean, because he, he's so for. I don't think he's. I don't think people are buying in as much as, like, people just need content. So this motherfucker is going to talk. Like, that pay per view, um, he, with him and Dos Anjos, um, and there was another title fight, maybe. And then they also had CM Punk on it, and they sold. Not great, and I, I'm gonna tell you, he sold none of them. Like it was CM Punk if they sold anything extra. Like it that's wasn't what I bought it for. Yeah, that's that's. We don't have to do this, guys. I saw like Kamara Usman cut offered a title shot against Woodley. Um, fuck you. Know, we'll talk to that. I'll talk about that after how they canceled another pay per view, which is amazing. Um, let's talk about the rest of this card though. Uh, Kevin Lee, man, I I want a I want 165 pounds to exist. I I've made it very clear. Um, but he looks like he had an okay weight cut, but he's pretty big. Like how, like, is he as Tyler Woodley's only five foot nine. So is this dude. He could probably go up. Woodley made it work. You know, if it's not, you know, I think he could go up, but we'll see. Um, Edson Barbosa, what he did to Dan Hooker. And I picked Dan Hooker. Um, he pretty much just turned like it's, he just kicked him in the body and punched him in the body until his insides turned to mush while at the same time kicking the shit out of his legs dan hooker's corner for getting the stool wasn't great that was a bad moment um, i thought that was the moment to stop the fight to be honest there was when a couple moments collapsed to the floor and sat there i'm like yeah he doesn't need to come out to the next round honestly the whole third round he was getting his ass whooped and i'm sitting there like he's just not tipping oh like i feel like a light breeze might knock this guy out but like he he pretty much saw brian ortega mike and thought Oh, you think you're tough, huh? Getting your ass whooped? Let me see if I can get my ass whooped worse. Yeah, <laughs> he got his ass whooped worse. Although it wasn't as obvious with Dan Hooker because most of the work being done on him was uh, chest down. Yeah, he, he definitely shit blood today. You know, a few days out. That definitely happened. Um, Edson Barbosa stuff is kind of Edson Barbosa, right? I mean, I don't think we learned. I mean, if you put him in a fight where the other guy's not going to just put enough i mean he's got to fight a grappler to lose Steph, or he's got to fight somebody who's just puts a level of pressure on him and is able to i guess land enough strikes to put him down but like if he's fighting just a regular striker he's not gonna lose huh yes yeah, that's kind of where i was when we picked this fight right is i looked at his record and i looked at all these things and it's like the key common denominator is all these guys grounded him you know, and that's there's there's a clear hole in his game. Like like I was alluding to is, you know, what I was going to quote from uh, the great episode of The Simpsons, The Homer, They Fall. I was watching this fight and my whole mindset while I looked at Dan Hooker was like, you have to hit him back. He's not going to get tired. You must hit him back. 
you know, and to Dan Hooker's credit, he did something right in this fight. In in the second round, he closed the distance and he fought in clinch range. And that that took away a lot of the kicks. The problem was it was too little too late. He had eaten way too much damage. There was no pop on his punches anymore. And he was just already a beaten, broken man. But that's where he had to exist. He, you know, that first round where he was living in kicking range of Barbosa, that is a fool's errand. That is a that is not that is the first thing that you learn about fighting Edison Barzola. Either stay out of kicking range or stay in too close for it. And you know, he did it too late. And yeah, he got he got savage. But at the same time, am I surprised? No, because what do we know about Barboza? He is a deadly striker. You have to exploit his weakness in grappling. And even a beat up, horribly beaten could have had a towel thrown in Dan Hooker. He still took down Barboza because uh, having just watched it recently, Daniel Cormier called it. When Barboza throws the spinning hook kick in the second round, you see him take a big gasp of air. And mm. Cormier was saying, see, Edson Barboza does this. He does all these movements, which are very big. They're very showy, but they take a lot of energy. And this is why he tires in every fight. And it happened. And he got taken down. And he got taken down right into an arm triangle. But Dan Hooker does not have the grappling acumen to finish off. Or at that point, he was just too damn beaten. You know, people forget. When you've been just getting wailed on, that makes you tired too. But yeah, a, a more competent grappler in that position probably finishes Barboza. He, he's shown a very clear hole there. You know, he, he, he kind of is what he is. So if he's not getting a title shot, you should just put him in these really exciting action fights like this. Because this is obviously where he really shines. Yeah, um, Barbosa, man, he's not going to win a title, but we're on year like seven of the Barbosa reign, I feel, of him just being a top 10 light heavyweight, or lightweight fucking dudes up. I, 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 I remember it was, I mean, him kicking, uh, what's the English cat he kicked in the face? Terry Adam. When he kicked Terry Adam, that one sticks out because that was the night me and Stefan were trying to leave the 49ers uh, Saints playoff game. To get back to Stefan's house, which isn't that far compared to, I mean, honestly, it took us what, two hours, two and a half hours to get back? <laughs> to be fair, it took us an hour and 20 minutes to move. Yes, that was we the, were perfectly stationary for well over an hour. I just remember like we were in like parallel parking lanes. I'm like, have you moved? You're like, I haven't moved in half an hour. I'm like, okay, it's not just me. <laughs> a homeless man emerged from the woods trying to direct traffic and then eventually gave up because no one was moving. I, I remember a Niner fan who looked like he was a white kid who weighed about 130 pounds. I say kid. He was like 19, 20 years old. Just shit-talking these Saints fans who each one looked like they weighed about 280. And there was a big, there was a chain-link fence between them. But then the chain-link <laughs> fence ended, and the white boy ran. And I was just like laughing my ass off. I'm like, this is I'm – like, I'm like, this kid isn't even looking at the fence. It's about to end. <laughs> um, all right. Um, so uh, another fight that happened. Rob, Rob Font went out there. Man, Sergio Pettis is not powerful enough to fight at 135 pounds. Which like he, uh, isn't a good thing for him considering they're getting rid of his division. Yeah, it's not. I mean, he wasn't that powerful at 125. Like, Sergio is like Anthony without any finishing ability. And I don't mean to demean him. He just doesn't have it. He's just not strong enough to do it. And, and um, I mean, we're, big we're, 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 talk, we're talking negative on Sergio. Um, can my man Rob Font get some love now? Yeah, like, I was going to say, Rob Font, man, how many, I mean, he's strung some wins together here, hasn't he? Uh, he he's, he's traded. He he unfortunately got uh, a sunsoud in there. I mean, know? what are you going to do? A lot That happens to the a best lot, of you. A lot of people get a sunsoud. But, you know, kind of a lot of people, you know, our podcast included, Rob Font doesn't seem like this memorable guy. 
he's a fun fighter. You know, he he he's got good hands, and that that I believe that was the story of this fight, right? He just jabbed Sergio to pieces. Um, but yeah, don't 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 trust them, Pettis. Man, do you want to know what uh, Asuncao's record is in his last twelve fights? Are you like eleven and one? Yeah, he's eleven and one. How doesn't he get a fucking title shot? What the fuck's happening? <laughs> he beat the champion in those eleven fights. That's I the best love, part. I love he that fight where champ- he actually called for a title shot. After, I, I forget which of his. Oh, last I was fight. there. It was his last fight at Rob Bond. He just said, it, like, "He's like I was." It was a little mean, but it was pretty damn polite at the same time. So I just, I like a Sunsell man. The dude speaks English. He learned English. Like. Help this guy out. I think he literally said, I know I don't finish all my fights, but I've won 11 of 12. I think he said that. And, like, everybody in the crowd's like, yeah, man, fuck, give him a title shot. Like, my little brother literally went, why doesn't he get a title shot? I'm like, because you don't know his name. That's why. <laughs> that's what. That's the reason. Um, And then uh, Charles Oliveira, despite me putting in the group chat that I don't like picking him, got Jim Miller on the mat, uh, got that win back, showed a ton of respect, of course, afterwards. Jim Miller, you know, giving him the opportunity to get that win back, you know, nice also. And if Mark was here, he'd be able to talk about the Jared Gordon fight, which won fight of the night, which apparently was a real crackerjack. Uh, Bobby Green lost um, and then said he's going to retire because he didn't like the judging. I talked to Mark about this fight. He's like, Bobby Green lost the fight the exact way Bobby Green loses all of his fights, which is just a lot of doing nothing and then getting hit and acting like it didn't hurt him. Bobby Green's great at that stuff. <laughs> he loves posturing. You yeah. know, he loves posturing, but sometimes his volume is not there himself. Um, just putting this out there, Dan Hooker's corner probably should have stopped the fight. The referee probably should have stopped the fight. I really don't think win bonuses should be a thing. I think everybody should get paid once I mean, once you showed up, that's that's it. You get paid. Personally. That's me. But I think that would help a lot of these things out when like the corner, you know, when you stop a fight. And you didn't cost your guy half his paycheck. Just putting that out there. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone on that thought. But, Talk uh, to Ala Kensa, man. What do you mean? Yo, he's fighting for that, right? Al's fighting for everything, man. Al's fighting the good fight. He's also uh, fighting for low mortgage rates. Yeah. Al, uh, there's a Twitter account where people don't even know if it's real. It might be Al. It might not be Al. Iaquinta Realty. <laughs> there's also the Spanish when Al Iaquinta used to be studying Spanish for a while, he had a Twitter account that was Alejandro in Espanol. Um, <laughs> I knew Mike was going to enjoy that. Mike's about to go look for this Twitter account where it was Al practicing his Spanish. He literally had a tutor where he was trying to learn Spanish. Okay? <laughs> that was Al. Um, it turned out to be fake, but he was aware of it. Uh, this is a little off topic. Do you remember? I really enjoyed it. It was a fake Twitter account for Andrew Luck, but from the uh, angle that he was like a Civil War soldier writing home to his mom. Like, wow. all, oh, yeah. all, I remember. all his letters were like, dear mother, it's been another hard day on the battlefield. I'm not a big Twitter person, but when things like that happen, I'm like, I see your value, Twitter. A good, value. a good fake one was uh, the fake Edmund Tarverian account, which I remember uh, uh, someone when the New York MMA debate was happening cited it. <laughs> or like, because he was just, I, most of the tweets that what that account has is just, it's head movement with an exclamation mark. Uh, by the way uh steph and i will talk about it and stuff we like but ronda busted out head movement in a fake wrestling match i really enjoy like (laughs) i'm like oh now she's going for it (laughs) yeah that 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 part that part that was a little tough to swallow that was was a hard one 
Um, all right, there's no UFC card this weekend because, you know, fuck, man. Christmas is on Tuesday. They figured they skip a week. Um, we got a we got a hell of a card to end the year. Um, Jones and Gustafson, God willing, it happens. Cyborg and Nunez, God willing, it happens. Uh, Condit versus Kiesa. Ilar Latifa, Tifi, Corey Anderson. Chad Mendez versus Alexander Volkanovsky, which I really like Chad taking that fight where he probably doesn't necessarily need to fight a guy as unknown as this, you know, considering his status in that division, but I like that matchup quite a bit for him. Um, Arlovsky's still going to do his damn thing against Walt Harris, and then we actually have another featherweight fight that isn't for a title, for women's featherweight. Uh, Zingano and Megan Anderson. BJ Penn's going to make me sad, but besides that, it's a pretty great card. We're going to make some picks next week. Um, what happened this week was, uh, we talked about it last week, Steph and Mike, how, um, they only had one champion who could maybe headline this pay-per-view in January, and that was Tyron Woodley, and Tyron Woodley was making the point that, like, hey, man, I broke my hand, if my hand's broken and not healthy, I'm, I'm, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna fight, um, and the UFC did that shit they did, they always do stuff where they have, they send a battle agreement to one guy, and they know he's going to post on Twitter calling the other guy a pussy. And in this case, it was Kamaru Usman. But Usman wasn't going to call him a pussy because Usman's a gentleman. Um, <laughs> but they they tried to bait Tyron Woodley into taking a fight when his hand's broken. And how do you think that went, Steph? Uh, Tyron Woodley is a smart, smart man. Mm. He ain't he ain't falling for that. He oh. ain't getting jabated. Oh, I I told you that shit, by the way. That like I saw him on a YouTube video for GQ, Tyron Woodley. He, he talked about wearing headphones to the ring and that he listens to different music that is what playing in the crowd. He listens to gospel music, he said. I know that everyone, a fighter who comes out like with <laughs> headphones is listening to something different. Like Only Clay Guido. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see anyone listening listen. to anything at all. Mm-hmm. I no, see they were just for show. No, nah, he's listening to gospel music, he said. That was only when, um, remember when UFC, uh, it was early when they had like their Beats partnership. Like mm. that, that's when like all the fighters had to come out with the headphones on. That's when they were listening to them. Yeah. Um, somebody had a good walkout theme last night or Saturday. I'm trying to remember who it was. How do you know? I'm like, on you, Fox, you only you see the main event. You mentioned in the group chat that you really liked the uh, Alza walkout. <sighs> Did I? No. Yeah, so, didn't you I, say you liked the Sopranos theme? They came that's what it was. Ally Quinta came out to the Sopranos theme. I enjoyed that. That made me happy. Because Al seems like the right guy for that, okay? Um, so the UFC, uh, they couldn't get Woodley to take this fight. Um, they had no title fight to put on it. Um, every other champion is booked. They didn't want to call Nate and Dustin and say, do you want to fight at 165 pounds for that belt? So they canceled the pay-per-view. Starting off 2019 on the right foot, cancel the goddamn pay-per-view. Um, moving a whole bunch of fights all around. Um, uh, most of them to the first show on actual espn not espn plus um notably they moved robbie lawler and ben Askren to the march pay-per-view steph which um i feel this podcast was really on top of the fact that they said nick diaz is fighting on that card and we were all like nah man we don't believe you and what did nick diaz say this week <laughs> there ain't no fight he ain't signed nothing he ain't signed they're shit they're selling wolf tickets they selling wolf tickets nick ain't fighting nobody and that also is the card that's supposed to be Daniel Cormier versus um, Brock Lesnar. But apparently Brock Lesnar is going to work Braun Strowman in, in the middle of January. And Braun is real big. So, <laughs> and uh, he throws a lot of live rounds. I don't know if Brock's wrestling. I'm, I'm boxing a fight in March is what I'm getting at. 
Um, I mean, what's to say, Steph? Right? I mean, they booked they booked another ridiculous schedule, and they can't support it. And it's only one month in. You know me; I'm always for less events. So to me, it's a win. As someone who has ESPN and is going to have ESPN Plus, I'm in favor of those events becoming better. Um, other news that happened is that you know the first ever Fox show was headlined by uh, Kane and Junior DeSantos back uh, in 2011, I believe. Seven, I think it was seven years. Yeah. Um, and the first ever ESPN show, actual ESPN, not ESPN Plus. Kane Velasquez is coming back, guys. Allegedly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kane, Kane Velasquez versus uh, Francis Ngannou. Uh, I don't like that fight for Francis Ngannou if Kane Velasquez is still Kane Velasquez. That's a. Man, aren't, aren't we aren't we supposed to be in the the game of rebuilding Ngannou's confidence? Like, what are we well, doing? Here? I mean, Kane hasn't fought Steph since he was throwing wheel kicks at Travis Brown at UFC 200. I mean, is this total bullshit? I don't know where I'm pulling this from. Why did I think Kane was going to become a professional wrestler? Because he was at NXT for fun. Like, he was just going to so many pro wrestling shows. I thought he had, like, signed a contract. Like, I thought he left. Like, I didn't. If we never saw him in MMA again, like, it wouldn't have surprised me. Um, I mean, yeah. I, what I are mean, we doing? I, I don't know. But that said, is even if Kane wins, he's definitely going to break his hands punching Francis Naganu, so I kind of hope Francis can pull this one out. I mean, my, my pick is literally going to be when I pick, if I pick Kane Velasquez, I'm going to be like, I guess he's back? Because if, in terms of actual ability, at their very best, the best heavyweight I ever saw was Kane Velasquez. Personally, that's my personal opinion. All skills on the table, the best heavyweight I've ever seen is Kane Velasquez. The greatest Look, UFC, I, I, the greatest UFC heavyweight ever is Steve Miocic. He he only lost in my eyes. He still only lost to Verdum because they scheduled heavyweights to main event a fucking Mexico City card. <laughs> and like it turns out, Cain Velasquez can get tired if you make him fight in Mexico City. If there's any guy I'm 100 percent sure isn't on anything, it's Cain Velasquez. <laughs> Just putting that out there. <laughs> That's the one guy, man. <laughs> he ain't coming back fast with anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean. He's. I don't think I've ever seen a more skilled guy at heavyweight. I love Kane. That, 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 that's a tough fight. That's a tough fight right there because you gotta you gotta knock someone back down the ladder either way. You know it's interesting because um, uh, speaking of injuries, Dominic Cruz fucking he hurt himself bad too this time. Like he has a bad shoulder injury. Like he said, it compared to the recovery length of an ACL. Um, I think uh, Chuck Mindenhall said it where he said Dominic Cruz is the greatest fighter we'll ever know that we didn't actually know how great he was. Which he might, it might be him. Like, we missed this dude's prime, basically. We're missing Dominic's prime. These four or five years where he's been hurt the whole time. I mean, we've seen this a lot in other sports. We've seen football players and basketball players. There are a good amount of players who really just were never realized. Not anything that happened. It was just unfortunate injuries. You know, for me... One of them that I was curious about was the uh, point guard from Duke, Jason Williams. Mm-hmm. It was like a number two pick to, at the time, he was like the youngest player to get like a triple-double in the NBA. Like, And then he got into a horrible motorcycle accident. And then, I mean, that's different in the sense that it's something, it's not within the context. You know, uh, Dominic's getting hurt training, but his, his body's betrayed him. Um, and I said it to you, it, it, it might have sounded a little snarky, but like, I kind of want him to retire. This is a lot of there's a lot of mileage to put your body through. And at the end of these days, you're not getting paychecks for these. Like at a certain I, point, he just needs to know his, his body just 
his body tapped out. Yeah, I I mean, if he can still come back, I mean, he did it. He came back before, but fuck, man, like that's a lot. He's torn everything, and he's. I don't think there's ever been a fighter with worse luck, in like injury rise than Dominic Cruz. And I know Cain Velasquez is out there, but this seems worse. Like he is. I think he said today, "I am the greatest bantamweight of all time," which no one questions that. But he says part of the reason is I still am the. I, I'm. I was like, you still have to consider me the greatest despite all these injuries. Like it adds to his legacy, which I'm like, I don't know about that, but yeah, he's the. He's he says he said today he's like the flyweight division exists because I beat Demetrius Johnson and Joseph Benavidez enough times that they had to make a new division for them, and I was like, that is one way of fucking looking at it that I don't know I'd argue with necessarily. <laughs> like he, I'm glad he's as good as he is as on commentary and at the desk, and I think he'll have job doing that at the UFC, and I hope ESPN picks him up. I think he's very. I'm glad he's that. That's there for him because he is. I don't. I mean, in terms of intelligence, Steph, he's one of the smartest fighters ever. Just the way he. I mean, you can see the way he fights and the way he talks about it. Oh yeah, he's 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 great on the mic. He has great breakdown. His his only uh his only flaw as a commentator is uh he gets a, a little too in the weeds. You can mm. tell where he 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 needs to make a point and he's just talking too much. He doesn't have that he doesn't have that sense of TV timing all the time, but you can tell it's because he's very cerebral. He just wants to break it down and you know like he can break it down for like the common fan, but you can tell he's one of those guys who's really a student of the game and if you know, if you were to sit in an interview with him, you could probably talk about fighting for hours because this guy has like such a scientific breakdown of it as like a sport. He did commentary for Barrow versus somebody I don't remember which one it was. I was like, it was either, it might have been against TJ or Jeremy Stevens, but I remember he did commentary in the Burrell fight. And the way he was pointing out every hole, Jeremy, I think it was Jeremy Stevens, where he was pointing out all of Burrell's holes to, on a point that I was just like, oh man, Burrell wasn't going to touch him. That fight was not going to be close. <laughs> Burrell wasn't going to make contact. Um, By the way, Burrell is facing... Um, Luke Sanders. I was going to say, Bobby, before you said the name, I was like, I take the field. He has lost three in a row, five of six, uh, seven of nine. He's fighting Luke Sanders. This is, he's got, he's going home if he doesn't win this fight. Like, that's, that's that. They're not even sending him his ass to Brazil to fight anybody. He, Luke, Henry Burrell's not going to have a job if he loses this one. It's just incredible to me. Um, we are all over the place today, guys, but whatever. Um, yeah, so Kane coming back. Dominic's still hurt. They canceled the pay-per-view. Um, they moved Robbie and Ben Askren to a pay-per-view that, God willing, DC and Brock happens. They somehow convince Nick and Jorge Masvidal. And to be clear, Mike, Nick versus Jorge Masvidal would be fucking awesome. It it would be great. Um, the only thing is, is that you got to kind of wrangle Nick Diaz uh, to, to the octagon and Let's see that happen. Got to pay the man, too. Got to pay the man. Um, so we got no DJ Mark. So we ain't, we ain't doing 20 questions, to be clear about that. Um, fuck, man. <laughs> what do you guys want to talk about? I don't know if you have anything for this date in MMA history. You know Bobby, what, guys? But... Like three, four years ago, Conor McGregor knocked Jose Aldo out in 13 seconds. I, I've got another thing um, more prevalent and uh, 
Stefan even touched on the subject a little earlier when he talked about uh, his uh, old, his moniker, Kid Presentable. Today is uh, the 29th anniversary of The Simpsons premiere. I mean, that's just not related to anything, but yeah. So well, Steph did talk about Kid Presentable. Kid Presentable, yeah, The Simpsons, um, a favorite of all of ours up until about season 11, 12? 12 would be pushing it, I think. 12 as Hungry Hungry Homer. Look, okay. we all know. It's called the golden age of The Simpsons. We all know when that was. It's still watchable. It's just not as good. All right? Even now, it's better than Family Guy. Don't all you motherfuckers think otherwise. Um, Yeah, and hell, man. Simpsons. Simps- your brother worked for The Simpsons, Steph. <laughs> My brother works for Family Guy. <laughs> I know. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean I can't shit on Family Guy. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of feel bad. My brother is often like, "Hey, did you see this?" And I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> not only did I not see it, I haven't seen anything in your entire run. Like, uh, I was gonna but, say your bro- I was gonna say your brother's one of the manatees, but he's not because he's a he's a he draws. He's a what's his actual ti- what's his actual job title? Cartoonist. Uh, storyboards. Yeah. Wait. You remember so, the South- so if I watch uh, the end credits to an episode of Family Guy, I will see your brother's name. Yep, first yep. name Francis. Really? Oh, yeah, I'm dude, gonna when I'm the, gonna I'm gonna watch the last two minutes of an episode. So. When uh, the Simpsons movie came out, I remember we stayed in the theater. Steph, you remember this to see your brother's name, and people asked if there was like an end credit scene, and we we're like, "No, no, no, we don't know. We don't want to see his credit. Yeah, we want to see you, Steph. We, like your brother's name come up. We all cheered, and we're like, "Let's go home." Yeah, um, uh, Mike, my brother has an IMDb page. <laughs> Well, he doesn't have cool. a photo, but he does have an IMD page because he's. Do you want to? Do you want to shill for your brother right now, Steph? Do you want to? Uh, maybe we have some people making cartoons who want to hire a storyboard artist. Yeah, my brother. You know, he's looking to transition to maybe film work. I know him and his family. They want to move back to the Bay Area from LA since. Come on, Pixar. Come uh, on, Pixar. Pixar is right there waiting. <laughs> you know, um, and in my stuff, we like this week. You know, uh, animation took a leap forward. This week with a movie that came out. Hey, so, hey, Stefan, if, if you want to try to hook your brother up, you know what you got to do? You got to say his name. I said I was, his name. I said his name is Francis. You can no look him up. Francis Stefan. They, they, they don't know how to spell it either, Mike. I don't want to spell my name for everyone on the internet. <laughs> yeah. If they care that much, they'll figure it out. Yeah. I love Francis. He gave me a warrior shirt one time just because he had it. He said, will this fit you? I said, uh, yes, it will. And I still have that. I like your brother. It was it was a it was a city hoodie. He's like none of my friends are extra large. I'm like, well, my fat ass is extra large, Francis. Send it over here. (laughs) Um, all right, let's just wait. Wait, I got something. I got something that we're completely glossing over. I have MMA history from this goddamn weekend. Oh, then go ahead, Steph. I I apologize. I I don't talk about this company often, and it's not often they do things right. But they did something really, really right, and that was Elima Le McFarlane fucking winning, defending her belt for Bellator. In Hawaii, her walkout is amazing. It had all the Hawaiian like tribesmen, had the flag, the music. She came out in the lays. She was crying the whole walkout, and this place was fucking nuts. And it just made me think like I didn't I didn't get to see the card live, but I did watch her walkout, and I it's what I thought when we were previewing this last week. If Max Holloway doesn't get to have this moment, the UFC has screwed up royally. Hawaii loves their own. And who is Elima Leigh McFarlane? You know, I barely know. And it's no disrespect to her. She she hasn't had a lot of promotion. She's in the lesser organization. But she seems like a goddamn rock star. 
And, there's, a sm- you know, there's a small part of you think BJ Penn is just hanging on because he thinks, God, let me just fight in Hawaii. We're getting closer. Let me fight in fucking Hawaii. <laughs> Hell, I mean, you know where, where that's exactly appropriate is because he was at the tail end and he looked pretty washed. But freaking Filipino wrecking machine, Mark Munoz, he got to retire on the Philippines card. You know, it yep. was nice. He was on the undercard. He fought like a nobody. And he beat but, the shit out of him. But he won. <laughs> and he got to he got to do it in yeah. front of like his his people. And that was a that was a watershed moment. So like, yeah. If you, well, I mean, also, if let's you like, have BJ on the undercard and Max at the top, what an event. Dude, they have, they have so many Hawaiians. They got Max. They got fucking um what's the name of the kid? Um new um oh fuck, I'm I've already forgot one of them. Um Smolka's Hawaiian. Isn't he? Smoko's yeah. Hawaiian. BJ Penn. Um, Brad Tavares. Uh, the, the other action fighter guy. What's his name? Um, the one that kind of looks like a Diaz brother and fought out of Caesar Gracie. Oh, Yancey. Is Yancey Hawaiian? Yancey Hawaiian. Yeah. Dude, like fucking uh, Travis. Is Travis Brown on, on the roster technically or he's just hanging out at Ronda's events? I mean, is Brad Tavares still on the roster? Like, we got Hawaiian. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, fuck, man. Tra- Brad, you can get Travis Brown's big ass out there. I'm just, Dave Doyle from MMA Fighting, um, I'm not sure if you guys saw this, but he had my favorite tweet of the weekend where he said, someone remind me again why the UFC's been able to go to a city in the Brazilian rainforest, Moscow, mainland China, Abu Dhabi, and let's throw in Bangor, Maine while we're at it, but they've acted for a decade like putting on a show in Honolulu was an unsolvable mystery. Yeah, I need that fucking explained to me. Because what are we doing, right, Steph? <laughs> I mean, it's not time zones. We've had Sweden watch a card at like 3 a.m. So, oh man, they were. I've never seen 30,000 people go silent before, but then Gustafson got knocked out, and it's like 4 a.m. in Sweden, and those four people are like, fuck, man, <laughs> why? <laughs> if, if, yeah, I'm right, if I'm right, Hawaii is a Honolulu is about six hours behind the East Coast. The excuse they give is that Dana keeps saying it rains there. Which, do, do they not have roofs? Motherfucker, put a tarp on it. Like, I don't care. Make it happen. I mean, and, they have indoor arenas, and we also went to a card in Seattle, so it rains there. It to be clear, how much are they is depending it, on a live gate to make also, money on this? Is it nothing but open-air structures in they have a, I mean, Aloha, basically, Dana's making the argument we can't go to Aloha, Aloha Stadium, which I'm like, well, you, I, I don't know, man. WrestleMania's outdoors all the fucking time. They find a way to deal with it. All right. We also established that the University of Hawaii's basketball stadium can accommodate about twelve thousand. Again, like that's what, a solid they, enough. How do you need a bigger gate than that? How much money do they make off of gate? To be honest, because they like have a lot of half ass. Make that much? Because also, if you look, go ahead and then just charge it out the ass. Because Hawaii's got the highest cost of living in the United States. It's, yeah, nobody. Everything is fucking expensive in Hawaii. I mean, nobody's broke there, man. Come on. Yeah, seriously. Like I don't. I'm. I'm I must be missing something about why we're. Uh... What are we doing here, to be honest? I mean... Uh, yeah, no, congrats to Alima Lay McFarlane, all the politics aside. Um, I hope the UFC can snag her. She's... She's talented. She's good! She's good. She's a very cute Hawaiian fighter who will bring a legion of fans with her. Um, she's very marketable. So, uh, yeah, this is a... She is a potential star in the making. They literally had BJ Penn in a time where there was, like, four guys selling pay-per-views, and BJ Penn's one of them. And they couldn't figure this out. Like, I, Stefan, I'm, I mean, yeah. And Max Holloway's excellent. <laughs> I know Bobby, probably one of the biggest BJ Pan fans I know. Um, I will still say, though, none of his MMA uh, accomplishments compare to when uh, there was the tsunamis out there and then CNN cut to their Hawaiian correspondent, BJ Penn. 
My favorite BJ Penn moments, the first like five art fights. It's the best part about BJ Penn. It's kind of like Rampage, but less you make makes you less sad. But like you know, like literally, like I mean, right, right up there is Kenny Florian and the pre-fight thing saying, "I might beat BJ in the first round," and then they cut to BJ. Did he? Did he really say that shit? Oh, the whole we were. I remember we were at a bar. And everybody started laughing. Like <laughs> BJ couldn't wrap his head around Kenny saying that. <laughs> Oh, we learned that Kenny would say a lot of weird things over the years, including words that aren't even his. You guys, you can just like pencil this in for next week where I talk about why people still love BJ Penn, even though he's like 16 and 14 now. Just pencil that in right there for next week. <laughs> um, so let's just do stuff we like, huh, guys? Fuck it. Um, Steph, yeah. you want you want to give a review? Let's 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 do our wrestling minute here because you and I both watch the rest. We watch. We watched the Graps as uh, know, uh, one of my favorite YouTube channels. Uh, as Ross always says, people watch the Graps. We watched the Graps last night. We were gonna go, but um, apparently the man knows how to sell out a fucking arena in San Jose, huh? The price just didn't come down. We were um, it was a WWE's TLC um, pay per view event. I guess it's not technically pay per view anymore, but I don't know what else to call these things. Yeah, you we know, call, uh, call pay per views too. <laughs> they're still the pay per view tent pole events. Um, TLC as to mean table ladders and chairs, meaning we're gonna get some extreme matches. We're gonna get some uh, a lot of spots using uh, the aforementioned tables, ladders, and chairs. This is the first wrestling event I've watched probably of the year. Um, like I've seen highlights. I think you watched. I think you watched one NXT with me. I might have watched maybe. one NXT, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, like it was fun and it, it was in our back door it was just down in san jose which is about an hour from us so we we're thinking about going but yeah the prices just never came down uh it's sold out um yeah i guess becky lynch is fucking popular and she they gave the women the main event spot i was happy to see that um because they probably were the most entertaining match of the night mm-hmm. there yeah, was um, a spot where um i believe did she go off the top rope or off a ladder where sorry. becky when Where Charlotte ate the whole thing? So Charlotte was uh, laying on the uh, announcer table on the outside. And then I believe it was off a ladder. And Becky Lynch went for this leg drop. And Mike, I don't know if you saw it. She lands, but the table doesn't break. Nope. So Becky just hits Charlotte, lands on her. Kind of the inertia knocks her. Like, you know, she then rolls off of Charlotte from there. And then the table collapses. It just kind of flat falls down at that point. And I was like... Holy shit. And you could tell where the ref was like whispering really closely into Charlotte's ear. I think they knew like, okay, that spot went wrong. Charlotte ate all of that to the, like the ribs. Yeah. She definitely, she definitely cursed. Cause like the audio went out for a second. She's like, Oh fuck. (laughs) Like (laughs) she got wrecked Um, real quick. uh, You want to, let's talk about like, I mean, Oscar, Becky and Charlotte was excellent. That was the main event. Um, I really, they had to get the belt off of Becky because they, we know we're all headed towards Ronda versus Becky at WrestleMania. So somebody's got to win a rumble, and mm-hmm. uh, Becky's R- Ronda wasn't going to lose to anybody. Ronda's losing to anybody. She may not. She should lose to Becky at WrestleMania, but we'll um, see if that happens. You know, I, I understand the positive. That, that makes sense. Uh, happy to see Oscar get the belt because, um, as I've mentioned, Oscar uh, was one of the last holdovers from the last time I was really following NXT myself. Mm-hmm. And Oscar in NXT was booked as a fucking monster. Mm-hmm. She went through NXT undefeated. And, and then they fucked it up. <laughs> she came up to she came up, and as so often happens with really cool, fun things happening in NXT, she just kind of got lost and buried in the shuffle. Um, she just got thrown into those matches where they're like, "Here's eight women in a four on four because we don't want to give them individual segments." Like, yeah. So it's nice to see her get yeah. a push, even if it's for other political motives. Um, 
Ambrose and Rollins was a bit disappointing. The cr- the crowd honestly wasn't into it. It was kind of uneventful. They really it was the match was a really good example of them really fucking up a pretty easy feud to book. I thought there was one spot that was really funny where um, Seth Rollins kind of channeling uh, Shawn Michaels for the Sweet Chin music. He was oh, God, I hate tu- that. He was doing the tune-up the band stomps, uh. and I had the same thought. The crowd wasn't saying anything, and in my head, I'm like, what are you supposed to chant? What are you, what are you supposed to... Like, clearly, he wanted them to chant something. Oh, they chant... I, they I chant, what you're supposed to chant. <laughs> they chant, burn it down, but the crowd did not give a shit. Yeah, the crowd um, didn't give a shit, and therefore, I didn't know what the chant was, so it was just really funny in that moment to be like, yeah, I don't know either, Seth. I don't know what I'm supposed to say here. Um... And then, um, yeah, they'll Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose are too talented to have uh, more than one bad match. They'll figure it out. Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles was great, I thought. Um, I'm a big fan of Daniel Bryan, the bad guy conservationalist. Um, I'm still laughing from two weeks ago when he was yelling at the announcer saying, saying that he was a wasteful person. And he literally yelled at him, I see how much chicken you eat. And I, that's still funny, like two weeks later to me. Him yell, he yelled it at Saxton. For people who watch wrestling, that makes it even better. Because Saxton's just not really a person. He's just he's just a guy. He just sits there and spouts off corporate bullshit. So uh, Daniel Bryan just yelling at him that he eats too much chicken. I really enjoyed. And yeah, him and AJ Styles were always going to be good. Steph, um, Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax was... Ronda's pretty... Uh, for being a rookie, Ronda's, Ronda gets it, honestly. Overall, she's a little bit loud when she's calling spots, but she gets what she's doing. She's a high level athlete. Yeah. And that's just what you you really see is and it just really stands out is, you know, there's a lot of good women wrestlers who have been career wrestlers. Um, but if you also kind of look at where they have also pulled a lot of their talent over the years, like Mandy Rose, she was a fitness model, I believe. That's what Trish Stratus was as well. You know, like you get good looking in shape women, but they're not necessarily athletes and what you get with ronda is a really high level athlete and I, that's why i feel like she's taken to it like what's the expression like a duck to water or whatever yeah, they say she's also was like she kind of stopped fighting at age you know she's 31 now so yeah, yeah. there's a lot of athletic prime left she definitely um and I, i'll give her credit you know she's getting more comfortable uh she's her showmanship is growing uh that the way she finished where she kissed the knuckle before she did the arm bar, like I was like, okay, she's got a little bit of flair going here now. Um, but I thought, yeah, the crowd um, for Mysterio, Orton, Balor, and McIntyre, the crowd more cared more for both of those than I thought they would. Um, but nothing really happened, and like the tables match, like the match itself, I don't know. You wouldn't be wrestling if you didn't find a way to make it uncomfortable for everybody, right, Steph? Yeah, I mean a lot. Of, some of that stuff was pretty forgettable. I mean, they set such a high bar with the initial TLC matches with like the Hardys, Edge and Christian, and the Dudley Boys. Like, I've never really seen a TLC match that's lived up to anything like that since. Well, the thing is, like, they shouldn't. You shouldn't. I don't like branding a pay per view because I think a feud should dictate whether you have a match like that. There needs to be enough like resentment, right? Not just it's, it's instead December. Of just becoming the theme. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the whole origin was, yeah, because each one of those was a weapon of choice. The Hardys liked the ladders. The, D- the Dudley boys liked tables. And Edge and Christian had the concerto. Like, yeah. That's, there was that a should... thematic sense to it. By the way, if you ever try to go watch those again, you're just watching motherfuckers get wailed on in the head of chairs. It just gets really uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. Um, 
And those well, people are all considering alive. Considering some of them, like their careers have ended due to injury. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like it's, you're like, well, it does. I mean, this is I'm going inside the fucking real inside baseball, but like that thing where Edge hits the spear off a hanging Jeff Hardy, like that knocked years off his career. He talks about it, he's like, yeah, the neck problem started there. That's what I, like that was it. Um, the show overall, honestly, wasn't bad. Um, I would have liked to seen uh, the New Day, Usos, and the Bar have a TLC match just because they're all so talented, and I think they would have done a really good job with it. That was the match to make a TLC match, in my opinion. I got that they were trying to build to the crescendo, though, and have it be the women's match, really, because the other TLC match wasn't really a match with Strowman and um, Corbin. It wasn't even a match. So, like, they, I got what they were doing, but, you know, I would have liked to see those guys go as a TLC match. Yeah, like you said, what I was saying, the whole match originated as a triple threat tag team thing. Like that's where it existed. So, Mike, Mike, are we doing anything for you here with this conversation? Does any of this mean anything to you? I'm just realizing we've gone real wrestling here. <laughs> no, I just kind of wish I had watched it now. Mike, I mean, I'm sorry. Listen, Mike doesn't know. I mean, like, friggin', it's it's on the TV in his background. And by the way, have you guys noticed? I'm really looking forward to this Sherlock Holmes movie with um Will Strowman? Ferrell and yeah, Braun Strowman's in this. Yeah, movie. <laughs> what, Bron- like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's essentially Talladega Nights, uh, Sherlock Holmes, right? That's what we're doing. That's Pretty much. It's them yeah, doing I'm, their bro comedy. Yeah, I'm fucking in. Uh, I'll, I see that happen. That, that's the Christmas movie of the year, I think. Yeah. Um. I okay. So wrestling. I also watch. I finished F is for Family. Um. That Bill season, Yeah, season three. I think. Uh, whatever the most recent season is. Um. I like that show. You know. It's not amazing, but it's a solid show in terms of Netflix originals. You know, I if there's a fourth season, I'll happily watch it. But you know. So if you if you like the first two seasons, so you'll like the third. It is not my favorite Netflix animated show. That is BoJack Horseman, by a mile. Um, yeah, uh, Steph, I know you want to talk about Spidey, so go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a chance to see um, Spider Man into the Spider Verse, and I cannot say enough good things about it. Um, I'm definitely planning to see it at least a couple more times. Uh, I'm I'm very prone to seeing movies repeatedly. I love going to theaters. Um, it's just a really fun experience for me. Uh, but Into the Spider Verse, uh, I'll keep it spoiler free. But I think it is a near perfect movie. Um, if there's any complaint about it, is that the pacing is a little slow to start. But I think that's fine because this movie serves as an origin story for Miles Morales. Um, I'm a big Spider-Man fan, one of my all-time favorite superheroes, and I did read the comics, and I love Miles Morales as a character. Um, I think he was an evolution of Spider-Man, which was really good. Um, I know people who don't read comics, some people just think of him as a knockoff Peter Parker, and he is not that even a little bit. He is entirely his own person and his own character, and it, it yet it fits perfectly within this world that Peter Parker occupies. Um Animation-wise, if you are a fan of animation, animation just took an evolutionary leap forward here. Um, It's like Beauty and the Beast back in the 90s. It's like Toy Story was at the late 90s. Like, There's certain moments where movies come and you just see the craft of animation has evolved. And uh, this is that movie. It is visually beautiful. The soundtrack is fucking amazing. Um, It takes place in Brooklyn and Biggie's Hypnotize comes on, and not like a sanitized version of Biggie's Hypnotize. It is just Biggie Hypnotize that comes on. It is very hip-hop. It paints a very fresh picture. Um, I, I've heard a lot of people say this, and 
I think I love the movie so much. It's not something I consciously noticed, but this movie does diversity right. It's not shoehorned. It's not forced. It just shows an organic picture of New York. And yeah, this is what people look like. Some people like like this. Some people talk like this. Some people are multilingual. Some people are multiracial. Like it's just a very diverse, very real living world. It's the animated Spider-Man, but it feels the most real of any of the Spider-Man movies, period. Um, I absolutely loved it. Uh, you know from the trailers, there's like other alternate universe versions of Spider-Man, and every single one of them shines. Like every one of the every variation of Spider-Man, they get their moments. Um, it's from uh, Lord Miller, the Lego movie guys. It's one of the funniest movies I've seen of the year. Um, and I've low-key been hearing as we're ramping up to like Oscar season. Um, I know Golden Globes comes first, but on even lower level like critic awards, um, this movie is beating Incredibles 2 for animated picture of the year in a lot of these awards. So um, there's a chance it might actually be able to dethrone Pixar's stranglehold on the uh, animation thing. And I loved Incredibles 2, mind you. I thought that was a fantastic movie, but that's how really impressed I was with uh, Into the Spider-Verse. If you haven't seen it yet and you like Spider-Man, you're definitely, I don't, I don't know why you're doing this disservice. Um, I know animation's not for everyone. People think of it as a kiddie thing. And I was a little nervous because all the trailers were for very childlike movies, but this is definitely adult animation. It's for kids too, but it is very clever. It is very smart. This is just like, it was a living comic book. Is, is the best I could say it. Um, I loved it. If you haven't seen it, definitely go see it. If you have seen it, go see it again. Mike, did you see it? I did. I actually saw it on Saturday, Saturday night. Um, I agree with everything that Stefan said. I, I really did enjoy it. I liked it a lot better than The Incredibles 2, but I think that's also because I wasn't so enamored with The Incredibles 2. I still haven't seen that. I mean, I I figured it'll, it'll show up on Netflix eventually, but then I realized it won't because you know. Did, did you see? Was it uh, wait, what season did they just announce it for? Like, uh, they announced another like Netflix like Marvel show as like debuting January sixth and then canceled on January seventh. Like, I was it for Punisher Netflix? or something? Punisher? Like they're gonna do another Punisher Netflix season or something? Oh, Are they doing right that on is, uh, Netflix? I, Netflix is also not just canceling those. Netflix is canceling everything it doesn't own. Own because they didn't own American Vandal. I thought they owned it. They didn't own it. They yeah. were yeah. I Which, opened Netflix for like the first time in a few weeks the other night, and when you go through like the tickers, I just noticed it immediately. Like ninety eight percent of content has Netflix original on it. They're just like except for Friends, I guess they paid out the ass to keep Friends because. That's generating a lot of traffic, and I don't think they'll, they'll they're not going to want to lose the office because uh, I saw another statistic that the office by far generates the most viewing hours. Man, when they got of any other content for me, the worst one they got rid of. The thing that I rewatched the most, honestly, on Netflix was Thirty Rock. I watched Thirty Rock at least three or four times through entirely on Netflix. That one sucked for me to get go bye bye. In terms of things getting canceled, though, American Vandal. At least American Vandal is nice enough to like be contained seasons did you finish it either one of you guys season two uh, i watched the first episode of season two but i just wasn't feeling it as much at that point season two gets fuck shit gets real in that one it's weird i mean I, you, I, I need you to watch it so we can talk about it at some point um yeah, I, I binge watched that season as well 
season two? Yeah. Oh, we're talking about it when this podcast is over. Um, by the way, my dad watched. Uh, he watched Man in the High Castle, and he was just like, "I did not sign up for this sci-fi." Shit. Like he just started it. Like he just started. No, no, it. he watched the entire first season, and that's he's what, like, "That's what I'm saying." Is like you will go through the first season, and it seems promising, right? Yeah. And then you get to the end, and like, what the fuck am I watching now? Yeah, and then my dad did exactly what I, I did, where he watched the first episode of season two, and he's like, "Nope, I'm done. I'm done. Now. <laughs> that's it." He's like, "I don't." He says, "Nope, I'm out." And I'm like, yep, I'm "Really, my dad's son?" He's just like, "No, I'm not. No, I'm not watching this. I don't care." <laughs> my dad's like, "They should have told me this was gonna." He says, "I can get behind some sci-fi, but what is this shit? It's not for this show." <laughs> um, what the hell's that noise? That would be the the sirens, uh, New York City, uh, baby. Um, you guys are gonna legalize weed, man. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Mike, what do you got this week? No, wait, wait, no, don't don't listen to Bobby, Mike. Legalization of weed is the go. worst thing that can happen to someone that smokes weed. It's Yo, too damn expensive. Weed is so expensive now. <laughs> you know why I'm sober, Mike? Because it's too expensive. Like I'm like, no. It, it was right. like my thing was like, this is cheaper than buying drinks in the city. No, it's not. It's not. It's so goddamn expensive now. I just I, like I hear the markup on it. It's uh like maybe 40 percent. All I know is a cartridge. This is allegedly what I've heard. A cartridge went from 30, 35 bucks to a forty-five buck cartridge, real easy, like real easy, right, Steph? <laughs> I used to get a quarter mic for uh, forty dollars. A eighth of the same quality stuff is now sixty dollars. So, yeah, I don't want to smoke anymore. <laughs> it's just gotten pricey, man. Um, and look, I, I, I wasn't was, a delinquent. I used it to help me sleep. Stefan was <laughs> Stefan on a prescription. It was medically needed. No one of people out here judging us. All right. The, I will say the upside is um, since it got regulated, they stopped making like the crazy ass doses, and that's probably for the best. No one. <laughs> we should. We we didn't need to get that high. The honest question: If we made a podcast about weed, how much more successful would it be? I mean, because uh. It was perfectly summed up is uh, if you don't mind me taking a trip down memory lane on this. Oh, fuck it. Go for it. Who cares? Bobby and Mark and I were in Amsterdam. And uh, the first uh, like cafe we went to, like weed cafes in Amsterdam, that is, um, there was like an American kid. Looked young, like younger 20s. They were kind of carrying him out of the shop. And like one of his friends was like apologizing. And like then I just hear like some Europeans go off on a tirade like, what is with Americans? Like, why can't they just enjoy being high? What does everything they smoke need to floor them? And if they're on, if they're not passed out facing their own shit, then they're like, oh, that's weak. That's so weak. And like, stupid <laughs> Americans. And I'm like, yeah, what is with Americans? If they're not, if they're not blackout, they're like, oh, this isn't strong. But yeah, you know, just, just have a nice high and enjoy yourself. I, mean, I like how we just got to Stefan telling people to handle their high properly. <laughs> <laughs> I was I'm, I'm, seriously, man. I, I swear to God, legalizing weed has turned like they've inadvertently, inadvertently created a bunch of small government conservatives who are just like, "The fuck, man! Why you got taxed it so much?" <laughs> That's what's happening. <laughs> See, I'm I'm the real American conservative. I want government. I want big government to get their hand out of my weed jar. <laughs> it's like people with cigarettes. Like, fuck, man! What is this taxes? Paying well, this much for a carton? All of that said. My thing I like this week is also uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. How uh, great would it have been if Mike just said, man, I smoke this shit. It's the thing I like this week. <laughs> um, besides that, uh, I just wanted to give a preemptive stuff I like and also a warning to Stefan. 
uh, Dragon Ball Super Broly tickets, advanced tickets, at least here in New York City, are already kind of starting to sell out. So Ooh, I gotta look if, that up. I gotta look that if up. If I were you, Steph, I would probably lock in your ticket now. Yeah, I, I remember when um the My Hero movie came out. Like I was like, man, do I have anyone to go with? Like, oh, you know, want to see this? that shit was sold out, and like everyone there was hella hyped. Everyone was dressed in costumes. Like I went by myself, but it was great because everyone was having such a like a blast. But yeah, I'm seeing it at an AMC in San Francisco, so I'm gonna have to get some tickets. Fair enough. That's that's all you got, Mike? That's it. I've booked my ticket for January 17th at 7 p.m. Right on. All right, boys and girls, we'll be back next week to make our predictions for the final card of the year. Um, Because we're not not making Ryzen predictions. Um, A card that somehow includes Floyd Mayweather and Gabby Garcia is happening. Um, But is he fighting jazzy, foxy, alpha female? What was her name? Jazzy Gabbert. I don't know. I thought I thought Vince was gonna sign her to actually wrestle. She was on NXT in the um I forgot the name of the tournament. May Young. They did a May they did like a all female tournament and Yeah. Anyway, back next week we're gonna pick all those fights we mentioned. Uh, God willing we get to this card and we get to see John Jones fight. Please. I could honestly take or leave Cyborg versus Nunez. Cyborg could cease, cease to exist real easy and not affect my life. Like, as, as a fan at all. I'm not trying to be mean. I just don't care. I mean, am I, did you guys give a shit at this point? Honestly, before we end this thing. Does anybody give a shit? Not until there's a 145 or who matters besides her. Yes. A lot of divisions can fold as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Everything north of north of 185 pounds should be come as you come as you are. Look, okay? there's, look, Bobby. There's heavyweight and there's open weight. Okay, that's it. That's it. That's MMA. <laughs> we gotta do it the way we used to, man. Everybody below 199 pounds. Everybody above 199 pounds. That's it. Okay. I mean, those you know, are the talk two about ways. BJ Penn. Seeing BJ Penn fighting a fat, bloated, looks like he's wearing a diaper, Leota Machida in Japan. It's one of my MMA highlights. You know, that's that's the MMA I signed up for. Yeah, Stefan's right there teasing what I'm going to talk about. Why I love BJ Penn next week. You guys will pencil in the fact that BJ wants to fight Tim Sylvia on heavyweight when he came back. You can write that down too. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next week, um, hopefully with all of us. Um, DJ Mark will definitely be here uh, to give his breakdowns. Get more technical with you guys next week with DJ Mark here. But uh, thank you all so much for, um, for listening. Uh, go check out into the Spider-Verse, because I still got to do that. It's really my fault I didn't see it, because Stefan's like, why aren't we going to go see this? Totally my fault. So um, I'll go see that too, and Mark will have his opinion too on it, I'm sure, next week. But um, I'm assuming, are we going to record on Christmas Eve? Probably. (laughs) You guys will all find out. Um, See you guys next week. Peace out. (laughs) Later.